0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. Before you can apply the solution, you have to go ahead and find out if you truly are a candidate for the solution. Are you a patient? And that's what we talk about this week with Joe and Charlie. Joe and Charlie touch on the fact that there are moderate drinkers. These are ones that just have a drink every so often. We hate them because they can have half a drink with dinner and leave it on the table. And then there are the heavy drinkers. These were the guys or gals you probably hung out with in college or maybe high school. They could drink pretty heavily, but then they settled down after college or military, and they went ahead and they drank on occasion or on the weekends. That's all well and good. And then you get to us, the real alcoholic. Now, we come in as many varieties as that breakfast cereal pack that we used to get at camp. You know, some of us are a little bit cocoa puffs, some are a little sugar pops. And there's always a lucky charm in there who never seems to have any problems or ill fate with this disease until the end. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about finding out if you need the solution.
1: You may already be asking yourself why it is the olives became so ill, very ill from drinking. Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why in the face of of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a condition of the mind and the body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, well, what do I have to do? Well, it's the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we've done. But before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize the points of them as as we see them. Now, how many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer or wine and lay off the hard stuff? His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. Now, these are commonplace observational drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from our own.
2: Now, then we're going to look at three different kinds of drinkers. And these expressions that Joe just read will refer to the first two drinkers. Let's look at them.
1: The first one is the moderate drinker. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone.
2: We talked about them last
1: night. They're the ones that have a couple of drinks. They get a
2: slightly tipsy, out-of-control beginnings of a nauseous feeling. They don't particularly like that. Alcohol is no big deal for them. They can take it or leave it alone anytime they want to. Those expressions Joe read would most certainly refer to The moderate drinker.
1: Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. Now, if a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warnings of a doctor becomes optive, If those things become operative, this man can stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need a little medical attention.
2: Now, this kind of drinker we call the heavy or the hard drinker. They drink like we alcoholics drink. But if a good enough reason presents itself, they'll do one or two things. They will either quit drinking entirely. They do not have the obsession of the mind. Or they will learn to moderate their drinking. They do not have the physical allergy. They drink like we do, but they are not like we are. Those expressions would refer to the heavy drinker. You and I see them all the time. They're the ones that say, when I was in the service, I was an alcoholic also. But when I got out of the service, I got married, went to church, and quit drinking, or learned how to drink, and I don't get drunk, and I don't see why you can't. They are not alcoholic. They are heavy drinkers. They do not have the allergy. They do not have the obsession of the mind. Those expressions Joe read would have referred to the heavy drinker. Now, here's the third drinker. But what about the real alcoholic?
1: He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. What we would
2: like you to do is we read this description of the alcoholic. When you see one of those descriptions that fit you, we'd like for you to hold your hand up. Would you mind doing that for us?
1: Now, here's the fellow or gal who's been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking.
2: There goes my hand up right
1: now. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. There's my hand again. I get good looking and out of debt as soon as I start drinking. (laughs) He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world. That's mine. Everybody puts his (laughs) hand up on (laughs) that. Yet let him drink for a day, and he frequently becomes disgustingly, and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tied at exactly the wrong moment. Particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He, and I like this one, he is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor. But in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. Now here's the one that everybody identifies with. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, and has a promising career ahead of him.
2: I don't hear anybody say that, but we alcoholics, but we all identify (laughs) with
1: that. He uses his gift to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself. Then he pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is a fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early the next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. Now, if he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over the house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and he gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with wish to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. Now, this is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly.
2: (laughs) I guess today, if, if our government has spent any money right in this field of alcoholism. It's probably been an education of the public as to what alcoholism is and what it isn't. And many, many people are coming to AA today before they have to do all these things that describe the real alcoholic. But I'll guarantee you, if you're a real alcoholic, you found yourself in there somewhere, at least one of those things are gonna fit you. In my case, practically every one. One in particular, if he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house. About seven years after I got sober, I sold a 40-acre, 45,000 broiler chicken operation. Now, even today, 17 years later, once in a while I see the guy that bought it, and sometimes he'll wave and he'll say, Hey, Charlie, we have found another one. (laughs) And he's re He's referring to partially empty bottle, bottles of vodka. They're behind corner posts. They're in hollow trees. They're under rocks. They're falling out of feed bins. He's been finding them for 17 years. I don't know how many more he's going to find, but certainly that applied to me. Now here's the question Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, Why is it that he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? The moderate drinker can, the heavy drinker can. Why can't the alcoholic? What has become of the common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters? Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We're not sure why once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We're equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic would abundantly confirm this. Now, these observations, the ones I just read, would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body.
1: Read that again, Charlie.
2: The main problem the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. You know, the fact that I'm physically allergic to alcohol really can hurt me if I don't take a drink. And I can't take a drink unless my mind tells me that it's okay to Take a drink. All action is born in thought.
1: Say that again.
2: All action is born in thought. Sometimes we think we react automatically, but we don't. I can't even pick up this cup of coffee unless my mind tells my body to do so. I can't take a drink unless my mind gives me permission to do that. Therefore, my real problem centers in my mind telling me I can drink. ...rather than in my body, which ensures that I can't drink. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he'll offer you any one of a hundred alibis. Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholics drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of the man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. Once in a while, he may tell the truth. Strange as it may seem, (laughs) there are times we alcoholics tell the truth, not too often, but once in a great while. I had a lady who was in Aladon. She came to me one day, and her husband was still drinking, and she said, Charlie, all he does is lie, lie, lie. She said, how can you tell when one of you guys are lying? I said, lady, you watch him closely, and if you see his lips moving, he's probably lying to you. <laughs> and then I said, do you want me to tell you how to keep him from lying? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, don't ask him those stupid questions. If you don't ask, he won't lie. Well, the truth, strange to say is usually he has no more idea why he took the first drink that you have. Some drinkers have excuses which are satisfied part of the time, but in their hearts they really do not know why they do it. Once this malady has a real hold, they are a baffled lot. There is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game, but they often suspect they are down for the count. The great obsession of every alcoholic is someday, somehow, we'll beat the game. Someday, somehow, we'll find some kind of alcohol we can drink and not get drunk. Someday, somehow, we'll find a group of people we can drink. Someday, somehow. Now, the truth is, we'll never be able to successfully drink again. The obsession of the mind that we can drink is so great that it overcomes all ideas to the contrary, makes us believe something that isn't true, makes us believe that we can drink. And we take a drink knowing full well it's going to be okay, And then the allergy takes over. The real problem the alcoholic centers in the mind, believing we...
0: Isn't it the goal of every startup out there to create something new? What if? What if you had that non-addictive beer? I didn't say alcoholic. What if you had that non-addictive scotch? I didn't say alcoholic. Because they make non-alcoholic beer. Yuck. They make non-alcoholic scotch. Why? But they have yet to create a non-addictive wine, or a non-addictive beer, or a non-addictive hard liquor. That's a hard pill to swallow when you're first in the program. It was for me. It passed pretty quickly, but the concept that I could never have another drink was okay in my mind pretty quickly on because I looked at what my path was and was able to have an intervention of my higher power. So I didn't struggle. So I guess I was that Box of Lucky Charms in the breakfast pack of cereals I was talking about in the intro. But when you look at the description of the alcoholic, the lack of control or the Jekyll and Hyde personality, Or the nice until he has that first drink kind of guy. You know, those are the warning signs. Those are the things we need to be looking at. And those are the items that are going to show us if we truly are the alcoholic. Because you can wait until you're blackout drunk. You can wait until that third DUI. Or hopefully, with intervention as I mentioned, and a lot of the programs that are available out there today you might be able to get ahead of the diagnosis so that you can then apply the solution and hopefully have the psychic change that brings about an inner peace using his will, not our will. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive, Joe and Charlie podcast.